All right, what's up, listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Aiden. And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deeper discussion of the movie. And then we're going to ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing Nope, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope, with our special guest, Sasha. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here again. Nice to have you back, Sasha. So, uh, news, news, news. Um, where do I even start with this news? Um, how about here? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Megalopolis, his latest movie. That's, um, I think it. I think what's special about it is it costs a lot of money. I'm not sure what figure it is, but it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it has found a star. It was looking for a, a leading cast member, and they found. Aubrey Plaza, um, I totally dig that. I would, yeah, I'm, de- I'm completely down for that. Yeah, I, I really like Aubrey um, from, uh, what was she in? She was in Parks and Rec, and then I also liked her in the X-Men Legion show. Oh, yeah. So she's sick. And I've seen some other stuff like um, Black Bear. She's great in Black Bear. So I think that's a really good choice. Um, yeah, I, I no, I agree. I think Aubrey Plaza is really cool. I think... Uh, I think she's a really great actress. Like, I think that a lot of people like think of Aubrey Plaza and they think like, oh, you're going to get the deadpan April from mm, yeah. Parks and Rec thing. But I, yeah, from what I've seen, I think she can give a lot of different layers to things. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knives Out, Glass Onion yeah. uh, is getting a release date. Uh, and I'm still not crazy about that subtitle, but... <laughs> um yeah it's got a it's got a release date it's coming in december yeah Um, i know uh right sorry yeah i was just gonna say i know ryan johnson like his goal ultimately was to make it like as recognizable a recognizable enough franchise that he doesn't have to put like a knives out story or whatever attached to it Mm, yeah (laughs) um but yeah i think that the idea is they're a little cautious to do that one movie in or two movies in rather yeah well i'm i'm i feel like going with the glass onion by itself would be an even worse title yeah i just <laughs> glass and onion are just two words i wouldn't have put in a subtitle together well who um, knows maybe it'll be the murder weapon we don't know ah yes like clue it was uh colonel mustard in the study with the glass onion yeah possibly um i'm, I'm sure that game has happened um fantastic four um this is a bit of a, a rumor so we'll see if this is if this holds up but um i've been hearing whispers that matt shackman director of wandavision all all nine episodes of wandavision is going to be joining on as director of the fantastic four movie which is slated for i want to say 2025 or like sometime in the far near future medium future that's interesting i mean i um my i liked the beginning of wandavision (laughs) <laughs> I like it. I thought the first half was really cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that if he can, like, my main problem with Wandavision was how it just kind of divulged into Marvel third act and like I guess the third act of the show. Like they literally had like the sky laser, which is oh, it was terrible. That, that's a crazy thing yeah. to be doing as late as they did. But um, yeah, I don't know. I th- I think there's some cool ideas in that show, so I'm not I'm not against that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The start of the series was super strong, and then the finale was not. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, what he does have going for him uh, is, I mean, he did direct a superhero family in that in WandaVision. So, I mean, what's so different about the Fantastic Four in a way? <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll work. Um, it seems that he's kind of got like that. Um, oh, I don't know what the word is, but like like one of like a directorial style that kind of just meshes with the Marvel Studios look. Yeah, that that doesn't. Uh, it's not like Sam Raimi with his Doctor Strange, right? Like, right. Um, it's not as noticeable. So I'm yeah, it's kind of like, oh, whatever. Um, I mean, there were rumors before that. And I'm to be fair, these are pretty far fetched. But there were rumors that maybe they were looking for a bigger name like Spielberg. And I mean, a Spielberg uh, Fantastic Four would have been pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it would have been awesome. I mean, Spielberg, like Spielberg, Spielberg action movies are incredible. Like, I, I think he does action great. I think people don't necessarily think about that as much but just like like some of the sequences in indiana jones are insane oh yeah like the i like the the truck one when when he's like climbing under the the undercarriage that's crazy yeah good movie um what else happened um oh um there's lots about warner brothers right now um so We'll start with the good news before moving on to the bad news. Um, Matt Reeves uh, is, it sounds like he's getting like carte blanche with Warner Brothers. So they're doing something right. Uh, it sounds like anything he wants will go. So Batman 2 is getting uh, started. Uh, they're starting to write it. Um, cool. And yeah, it sounds like they're just game for whatever whatever he has in store, which honestly, that's a, that's a good business plan. Yeah. I'm down. Batman was so fun. That was such a fun movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, his Planet of the Apes ones. I don't know who did them, but oh no, that was Fox. That was Fox because they're on Disney Plus now. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah, he's 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 got strong style. So I'm glad they did that. Um, but onto their less good news, um, oh, which is worse. I'm trying to think. Um, well, this is more fun. Batgirl, which was unceremoniously canceled uh, for tax purposes, um, is apparently having what they're calling um, funeral showings. Or I don't know if it was showings, but like funeral, um, like they're just showing them at the the Warner Brothers lot so that people who worked on it can see it before it's shut away in the vault, never to be seen again. Wow. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter, and I don't, I don't know if this is true, but like one of the directors was like, "Okay, we're gonna try to save as much footage as we can," and then he like, like tried to do that, and was like, "Oh no, it's gone! Like I can't do anything about it." Um, yeah, yeah, I uh, apparently it was a French interview, and the first translation said that they had deleted it, and that's kind of like, like. If I was a filmmaker and I had filmed an, well, I am a filmmaker, but if I had filmed a feature right. film and the whole thing was deleted, like oh, yeah. that would be crushing. Um, that, sh- that should be straight up illegal. Like, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but apparently the, the translation was a bit off. So it was more accurately uh, blocked. They were just blocked from the server. So they no longer had permission to access it. Um, hence why there's these funeral screenings. Um, so it does still exist for now. <laughs> But yeah, um, it seems that uh, Zaslav was one step ahead of the curve and is not going to allow 
another Snyder cut situation. <laughs> um, although I'm sure that I would hope I'm, at least um, that that would be less toxic than the actual Snyder cut itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not great. Um, and then the other, uh, the other Warner brothers news is that both Aquaman and Jazam have been pushed back. Yeah. Um, I do have the dates. Shazam was pushed back to March 17th of next year and Aquaman to December of 2023. I think Shazam was December. It was supposed to be yeah. December. It's going to be a Christmas movie. Uh, they keep moving, so I always forget. At one point, it was Aquaman going up against uh, Avatar, which is hilarious because they're both underwater <laughs> movies. So I don't, I don't honestly remember where they were. I think it was Shazam more recently, but um, yeah. And, and apparently the reason is that um, Warner Brothers doesn't have enough mo- uh, money to market their movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. They're, they're putting out like, don't worry, darling. And uh, oh, what was the other? And then there was like another big release. I guess it might've been the Batman. And those are the only ones they had the budget for this year um it's not the batman i can find it though um but yeah they it was don't worry darling was definitely one of them uh because the batman had already released so that's not what they were talking about yeah um oh black adam oh right because that that dc property is still coming out Um, yeah oh my god it's so funny though yeah Um, like (laughs) that's crazy the idea of like warner brothers like collapsing like such an enduring uh studio oh my god i mean like on the topic of don't worry darling did you see the clip of uh harry styles acting in it yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it didn't look great um, didn't look great not doing him any favors by putting him next to florence Pugh. like no, it's florence cr- is like, fantastic yeah when it cuts back and forth it's like oh man like come <laughs> on <laughs> and is his character supposed to be british yeah, I guess so. Because at the start, he's definitely British. Like, the first line oh, yeah. is 100% British. And then after that, I was like, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I can't tell. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, if you're going to put out... The, this is the first clip, I think, that's, like, actually a clip. Like, this is the, this is the one you went with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had the whole movie, and you went with this one. Like, I don't um, want to judge it too severely, because it's possible that, like, in the context of his whole character, it's actually fine. Like, you know, like, that is very much a possibility. But, like, it's not promising. And I do no, question the decision to put it out. Yeah. And I'm, it's this whole thing, you know, the the whole Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis. Oh, yeah. Bit. So it's so funny to me that, you know, she she divorces him and then makes a movie that's literally about feeling trapped in marriage <laughs> and then casts <laughs> her lover <laughs> as the romantic lead. Um, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm also hearing like interesting things about behind the scenes, but I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't know if it's true. Yeah. That's something um, I don't, I'm not going to speculate on that. Yeah. Either. I, I, you know what? I'm just going to watch the movie and yeah. I, I honestly don't know. It could go either way, I think. Um, yeah. And what, one other thing about Warner Brothers, man, they've had a hell of a week. Um, apparently, and this is, this is the cherry on, on top. Apparently, uh, Warner Brothers has lost two, or 20 million, no, $20 billion. That's billion with a B. $20 billion 
and I want to say it was like market value or like, like, I don't know, some economics phrasing. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, because in the process of trying to save $3 billion. So they're trying to cut, sorry, it was trying to cut $3 billion of yeah. costs. And instead of saving $3 billion, they lost $20 billion. Somebody should fire their entire finance team. No, it's it's just David. Somebody stop that guy. <laughs> it's it's a nightmare. Um, I I yeah. I honestly don't know how we got to this situation where you know like Discovery buys Warner Brothers is already a weird idea, and then yeah. someone who knows nothing about film is suddenly you know in charge of canceling projects and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah, I've also heard that a lot of like animators are getting a lot of their work vaulted recently. And I think not just at Warner Bros, I think at Disney, uh, a lot of this stuff is happening too. But yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah, I don't I I haven't heard about the Disney one, or if it was Disney, I didn't know. I don't know who does each cartoon, but um things are getting deleted off of HBO Max. Yeah. Things that were created for HBO Max. Therefore, there is no physical copy of it. So it's yeah. gone. If it's off HBO Max, there's no way to watch it. Yeah. Well, not no way, but um, no official way. Um, and that's devastating for like these artists. And the reason is they want to um, save money on, uh, oh, what's the word? Like, oh, darn. You know, like. Um, they, have to, they have to buy contracts to show things in certain areas, right? yeah so like ro royalties yeah they have to pay royalties right so that's why they're just deleting things off you'd think like having content on your streaming service would be a good idea yeah but apparently by saving money on these royalties that somehow makes sense to someone so yeah that's a nightmare over there i just i i don't see myself like why why would a creator want to work for them knowing full well that they could work on a project for years and have it end up nowhere yeah just deleted yeah because that's that's access. debilitating like oh my god it's a good word it's a good ten dollar word debilitating yeah. hey. it sure is yeah Turn the paycheck um yeah on to some uh some more positive views did you watch the uh this is positive with a heavy heavy <laughs> dose of irony um did any of you watch the trailer for disney's disney's pinocchio you have no. to be careful this year because there's two Pinocchios no. coming out. No, I, I saw the one of them a long time ago. Okay, so so this is the first proper trailer. There was a teaser before. Um, this is the one that Disney is making, not Guillermo del Toro's. Is it live action? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, just like everything, like you know. I oh, didn't even know oh, this was happening. Just wait. So, <laughs> do you want to guess who's playing uh, Geppetto? Uh. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're a hundred percent right. <laughs> Tom what? Hanks. Tom Hanks is Geppetto. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's being directed by uh, Robert Zemeckis, so it's like oh, you know, you know. So it's gonna plastic. be scary. It's gonna be unintentionally terrifying. Why do you say that? Which which of his is just because like the uncanny valleyness of like so many of his movies, like 
Polar Express and like uh oh, okay. I'm trying to think of other examples, but that's like there was like a meme for a while that like Robert Zemeckis movies are unintentionally terrifying because they're they're the like these CGI characters that aren't quite human. Well <laughs> well be happy that you did not see the trailer because yeah. Pinocchio is CGI and he is terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so it, it it fits in perfectly. Um it looks I think it looks terrible. And so I'm very excited and I, I, I want to do a pod episode about it yeah. just so we can watch that awful garbage fire. Um, I have a I have a conspiracy theory about like bad CGI and trailers though, that I think it's I think they're my conspiracy is that they're using it as a marketing technique now. That they're intentionally not finishing CG. And so that like it'll come <laughs> out and Twitter's gonna be like, This looks terrible, what the hell? And then, like, they get a lot of buzz about it. That's not crazy. But um, I also know that, like, there's just COVID backlog. And yeah. it's it's COVID plus Marvel overworking the entire yeah. VFX industry. So they're just, like, a huge shadow over them. And, you know, so it makes their... Just because they're, you know, they're pumping out content at a ridiculous rate. So, yeah, um, yeah so, you know, they're wearing out their people so that the marvel stuff looks bad and everybody else's stuff doesn't look as great so it's just yeah it's not great yeah but yeah pinocchio um it it'll be something all right <laughs> um it also has uh oh is it cynthia arevo as um the fairy one second uh definitely joseph gordon levitt is the cricket okay it's, all right it, i don't think it beats um What's his name? Um, Ewan McGregor as uh, he's he's gonna be the the cricket in Guillermo's Del Toro's. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, Cynthia Arevo is the blue fairy. For some reason, it says um, Robert Downey Jr., but I don't know who it is. <laughs> I don't know who he's playing. He's just gonna be there. He's just, yeah, he's just he's cameoing as himself. Um, come on, I'll find it. I'll find it. Luke Evans is in it as the coachman, whoever that is. Um, yeah, I don't know half of these people. Yeah. It's all very vague. Anyways. Keegan Michael Key as the fox. Wow. Oh, is that? Oh, he's the fox. Oh, that's, what, oh. that's what Google said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so super excited to watch that. Um, last thing, this isn't really movie-related news, but it is very topical. I just have to find it on Twitter. Here we go. So this is from IGN. Um, Vice uncovered in a budget report two stunning admissions from Congress. <laughs> Not only is UFO activity increasing exponentially, that's a quote exponentially, but also the U.S. government doesn't think that all UFOs are man-made. Wow. From awesome. I <laughs> from IGN. From IGN, from Vice, <laughs> from Congress. So well, how, yeah, it's, how it's quite are they the same. To, how can they prove that they're quote not man-made? Yeah, how do they question. know? What if it's just like Buddy from Arkansas shooting some shit in the air? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how do they know it's not the case? Buddy from Arkansas is just yeah. skeet shooting, and he's pushing yeah. it a bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe uh, that's a good question about the man-made thing. Maybe it's just um. Like Congress says, hey, secret government organization, should I be concerned about this? And like 90% of the time, they're like, nah, don't worry about it. That's us, dog. <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, nothing just, else. And they're like, missed okay. an opportunity there, Alex. It's, should we be worried about it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Speaking well, of nope. Segway. Uh, 
Yeah, um, that's our movie of the week, hence the uh, the UFO news, or as Angel in the movie calls it, what was it? Not IPAs, UPAs, um, like unidentified UAPs. Oh, shoot, what is it called? Um, I got to find it. Because the other thing is, he doesn't explain it in the movie, if I'm correct. Oh, it's UAP, but I don't know what it stands for. Unidentified aerial phenomenon i'm guessing uh, that's what we'll go with um but yeah that's that's our movie nope not of planet earth did you know that's what it stands for i did not know that's what it stands for i just thought because they said honest. nope a couple times well uh that's okay because jordan peele didn't know that either and <laughs> <laughs> he just called it that because of the characters in what yeah. they say um which honestly fair i um, liked it yeah yeah Walking out of the theater, definitely, I had some nope moments myself. You know, just like you know, driving and then getting out of the car and then like looking out yeah. carefully, like, okay, there's not anything gonna yeah. vortex me today. Nope. Um, yeah. So we're gonna start off with our uh, guess the Metacritic score. Um, sure. So Metacritic uh, tabulates critics um scores of movies like how how much they rated it um it's only critics not general users Six, 16 above is considered like a green score 80 and above is must see the 50s are yellow and 49 and below are red so we are going to try and guess um what the score for nope was um so i think i won last time so i'm gonna let sasha go first um, 68. 68, interesting. Really? It, I'm going 87. 80, hmm. I'm torn. I'm going to go with 80. Okay. I think 80. Um, so Sasha was 68, 87, and 80. If I do, uh, if my eyes don't do not deceive me, it is a seventy-seven. Uh, so I was closest with my eighty. So it's not a must-see. Mm. That's interesting. I think that's very interesting. I think like it's absolutely a must-see for this year, in my humble opinion. Well, uh, let's hear about that. As the winner, I hereby do declare you can go first uh, sure. for your non-spoiler reaction. Yeah. So um, initial reaction, really, really liked it. I really, really, really liked it. I think Jordan Peele is a really engaging director. And I think that recently I've been feeling the fatigue of bland, nothing directing, particularly coming off the heels of like Thor 4. Like this was the first movie I saw after seeing Thor 4. Um, yeah. And I was like, well, this is great. I love this. Um, the director, the at least the directorial style. Um, yeah, I think my main problems, I had some problems with the way some concepts are explained and i generally didn't have a problem with the script except i think that the problems kind of revealed themselves a little bit more towards the end um i think like it unraveled a little bit towards the end it had me to the point where i was kind of questioning like certain things um but in general like i have a theory of movies that like if they can be like there are two meters and there's like the cool versus stupid meter and it's like the cooler something is, the higher the stupid threshold is raised. So like Mission Impossible okay. is the perfect example. So like stupid as fuck. 
most of the things that happen are really dumb, but it's so cool that the stupid threshold is really high. And so I think like, nope, I wouldn't say stupid, but I'd say like what I, I was really into the best parts of the movie. So the worst parts got a bit of a pass for me. Uh, and all in all, I really liked it. I thought it when it was trying to be scary, it was very scary. Uh, I'd love the performances. Uh, and yeah. Cool. Well, um, what would you rate it out of five? Out of five? I'd give it four. Nice. And it sounds like you would wreck this to uh, the layman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. Uh, Sasha, let's hear from you. So going into this movie, again, Alex, this is one of those movies that you and I saw the trailer for a number of times, just like men. Um, so it's one that was very compelling, I think. And that's something that Jordan Peele does well with his trailers. I actually, so I never actually saw the trailer for us now that I think about it, but get out that we had a very compelling trailer and I think Nope did as well. Um, the sort of couple of notes that I had was that I really liked the premise of Nope. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting idea. Um, and a lot of what was done, I think, or the way that it was done was, uh, was really interesting. The one thing I do find that was kind of, lacking i feel like was the character like the the backstory with the characters and their history there's a lot in the trailer or at least there's parts of the trailer that you would think would have a more like a bigger significance um like the trailer opens with um with the discussion of the two second clip of the black man on the horse and that's only briefly brought into the film and for something that's going to open the trailer i feel like that might have that should have had a bigger role than it did in the film itself so that's the one thing that I think was a little bit disappointing was just the character development or the lack of um, exploration of the character's past with the exception of one of the characters. Um, but overall, I think this film did really well uh, in terms of what it was trying to present. Uh, and I definitely thought it was a good one. Nice. What would you score it? I would probably give it a four as well. Maybe creeping up to a four and a half. Wow. And so sounds like a wreck. Yes, I am the layman, so yeah, I would tell myself to go see it again. Yeah, actually, Saja is our resident layman. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, I'd have to agree with what you guys have been saying. Um, I'll actually start off with my score to give some context for kind of how I felt about it. But my original score was a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I think if I watched it again, I could easily be convinced to give it a 4. Um, so I'd say like more or less I agree, but um, I think yeah I think uh, I should start off like there's a lot of positives to this movie. Um, I this was probably one of the better movies I watched this summer. Um, again, like right after Thor four, like yeah. of course this is like a shock to the system. Um, Peel Peel knows what he's doing as a director, and there's some instances where I was just like the images on screen are like haunting yeah and he he's he's a, a master of his craft he knows what he's doing and so i you know i'm gonna keep seeing what he does um i think this movie had scary moments um and we'll get into this um shortly but i don't think it is nearly as scary as some of his other films um i don't know if that's necessarily a, an issue uh, i think he's definitely trying to break out of his horror genre a little bit here. Um, it's definitely feels a little bit more like 
Spielberg is uh, one name that's come up in conversations like this, um, mostly because of his uh, his work with his uh, Jaws and Close Encounters movies. Uh, many comparisons have been made between those and this movie. Nope. Um, what else? Um, but yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't incredibly scary, which is a little disappointing. And we've you both have sort of referred to this, but I think there's maybe an issue with the um, the characters. I think as the spectacle has gotten bigger with Peel, um, the the characters have gotten a little weaker. So I feel like, um, unlike us and Get Out, I feel like I cared less about the central characters in this movie. And I knew less about them. And I was definitely confused about their backstory. And I felt like it wasn't fleshed out quite enough. Um, so that by the end, I just wasn't fully satisfied. I like, you know, there just wasn't the the highs and the lows that I was hoping for. Um, so it just it was kind of missing that like X factor for me to make it like a great movie. Um, but I think like, as far as summer blockbusters go, this one was pretty darn good, if I do say so myself. Uh, left me hooting and hollering. Um, yeah. So uh, that's our non-spoiler reaction. So we're going to get into it. This is your official spoiler warning. Um, so we're going to get into everything about Nope. We're going to talk about uh, those things that probably you were wondering about when you left the theater. Uh, any questions you had and things that bothered us. We're going to talk about it all. So uh, first off, how scary was this movie for you guys? Um. So yeah, when we were talking about this, like I don't think that this movie was trying to be a straight up horror. Um, I think that like this, like in my spoiler for your review, I said it's scary when it's trying to be. And I think like when it's trying to be, it's legitimately terrifying. I'm a, I'm a big horror guy. I've watched a lot of horror like all the time in high school like that was just something me and my friends did we just went to shitty horror movies that we knew were gonna be shit and so i've 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 eaten up all of the horror i've seen the art house elevated horror i've seen the 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 nun which was really bad if you guys didn't see that um but yeah i think that like one of the things that i like to talk about was um it's like you have horror movies like you have the concept of the elevated horror now which is like this horror movie that digs deeper into other themes and character development and so on. And I am generally let down by these movies. Like I know one of my hot takes is that I think Hereditary and Midsummer are both pretty lame movies and not scary. And so I think that for a movie that I would call this, like, I guess an elevated horror, even though I don't think it's trying to be a horror most of the time, this is a movie that nails like good exploration of themes and also being legitimately scary um so yeah i guess in short i think yes i think it was very scary uh as to whether or not the ufo was scary uh i thought slightly less so than certain other things but i i guess yeah uh yeah no i i definitely agree um sasha what did you think so I didn't find it overly scary for the most part. There were a few scenes that definitely were um, the scenes that were in the dark uh, sort of when they were first trying to figure out what was going on with, with the UFO. Um, 
that was definitely scary i think for me um just the the tense how tense it was uh how dark it was nobody knew what was going on um there was a scenes where like oj was gone from the house so you're wondering like what's going to happen to him uh is he going to make it back alive um but this movie was the thing i liked about it was that it was free mostly from jump scares aside from the odd one here or there um which generally jump scares just annoy me and make me unnecessarily scared for the rest of the movie um so aside from the one that was like you know the statue crashing through the windshield that one which was came out of nowhere i didn't find it to be overly scary which was good um i think something that also contributes to that is the fact that it's not like a lot of horror movies that you'll watch like um Aiden like you were talking about with your sort of your classic horror movies or ones that have come out in recent years that aren't that great um examples are like insidious or sinister things like that they're all just really dark um but get out you know most of the most of the action takes place during the day and what is at night is well lit um us is very light as well a lot of the stuff happens during the day um aside from near the beginning the same thing with this one a lot of when they're um a lot of what they're doing especially when they go and try to film the ufo that all happens during the day um when um you know when the horse show is going on at the at the amusement park that's all during the day and so that i think takes away from how scary it is which for me personally makes it a better viewing experience because you're not sitting there wondering am i going to get jump scared and then is this going to keep happening and then sort of ruin the experience to some extent because you're you're kind of covering your eyes for half of it yeah um yeah um i would say like yeah like what aiden was saying i don't think for a lot of it is trying to be horror but there's definitely sequences where it is and i think i think a lot of it does work uh especially when it's unfortunately not the alien the like the real one um I think it's a case of like, uh, like, like a Jaws situation for the for the alien itself. Like, the more I see of it, the less scared I am. I'd say like even even the first time when you see it, when it's like moving between the clouds, I felt like almost nothing. Um, yeah. So I was I was, I think maybe a little bit even disappointed by how unscary the UFO was. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't think seeing the UFO was that scary, but I think the scariest sequence in the film that, like, made my heart drop is when everyone gets sucked up into into the UFO, and just the one shot where it's climbing up, and it's the most claustrophobic, like, and you hear these, like, distorted screams and stuff, like, that made my heart sink. And, like, I cannot stress enough, like, I'm desensitized to most horror. Like, most of the time I watch horror and it does nothing for me. And that was, like, that was terrifying. Like, I, I that actually, like, gave me chills in the theater seeing that. Yeah, the screams from the people inside the, the belly of the beast, that was, that was haunting, I would say. Yeah. And it, later, when they're in the house, like, the main characters are in the house... And then you hear the screams yeah. from the, and you so you know it's there. That was that was really well done, and it's it's unique, you know, something that's probably never been done in horror before. And so, yeah, I think that was exceptionally well done. And yeah, it was it was 
scary. And Sasha and I watched it in IMAX. So like it was oh, yeah, loud. Was it was, yeah. it was very loud screams and yeah, yeah ugh, that was, that was awesome. But, um, but yeah, just like, like any other time you see the alien, I felt nothing, I especially, I don't want to get too much into it, but when it's in its like final form, I was really like, okay, this movie needs to end really quickly. But there I wasn't like, I was at the point where I was like, okay, it's not, it's not trying to make the alien scary at this point. Cause it's like enough is revealed at it about it at that point where it's like, it's not really scary. It's more about just stopping it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind that. Uh, fair enough. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think Peel makes up up for it, um, with like other things that are in the movie. So like the, uh, the woman who's at the show that's been, that was mutilated by Gordy that she freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, what's his name? Steven Yuen's character, his kids dressed as the aliens. That oh, yeah. moment really that really scared me when you yeah. first see them and they're oh, like, I love, kind of like oh yeah i love like, that first shot when it ugh. just hangs on it and you can't oh tell God. that it's there and then it starts moving yes I was like like that that got like an audible reaction in my theater where people are like oh <laughs> <laughs> and think, then when he I pokes think... his head out the second guy pokes his head out I'm oh like, my oh. god <laughs> that's what that's what's so crazy to me is the fact that the horror of any other element in the movie is so much better and stronger than the alien itself. So I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in that regard. Um, I, I like what Peel does with it uh, ultimately, but I don't know. I think I was kind of hoping it would have been scarier. Sure. Um, even like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other alien movies that I've seen. I don't, I'm not a big horror person, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'd say like even in Close Encounters, the aliens are scarier and they're not even like mean aliens. Spoilers for Close Encounters, mm. sorry. That came out seven or like 40 years ago. So that's on you. That's but... beyond the statute of limitations. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's the fact that you don't see them. And so you just see like their, um, the effects of them being nearby. And that's terrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those those kids in costumes, terrifying um man when they i think when they were moving and like like the shot you were describing where it it waits and then you don't think anything's there but then you see the mask slowly move yeah i think i was probably starting to go nope like that was the first time <laughs> <laughs> i was like nope 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 nope, nope. And then, yeah uh and then um oj like sucks the kid in the face yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome but also yeah. like is the kid okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the kid seemed fine afterwards yeah. i think they forgot about that but that was really funny um I'm trying to think what else yeah Aiden? uh yeah i was just gonna say another part that i thought was scary was i believe this is the very opening shot of gordy um uh, and just seeing that i i loved that opening shot so much i think i want to get into it later exactly why i love it because it ties more into a different point but i thought that like the gordy stuff was quite scary i liked that it was very like quiet like there wasn't really music behind it and all you could really hear was like the sounds of people like moving around and running and like the little details like you can see people huddling in the like in the audience mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't focus on them but if you're looking around and then I, what i loved about it and this is um this is also the case in that one shot we were just talking about with the jupes kids um is that the idea like 
just hanging on a wide and doing it for long enough that it forces you to search. And then when you find the thing, it's really scary and it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that a few times in this movie. I thought it was really great. Yeah, and there's a couple of times where I think he also does zooms, slow zooms that are so um, uh, like like smooth that it's like eerie. Oh, Peel, yeah. Peel is phenomenal. But um, I think you're getting at a point that's really excellent is a lot of the best horror in this movie is sound design. Yeah. So the screams we were talking about, the Gordy scene, like you said, is mostly silent. And what are you hearing? You're hearing, um, there's two different Gordy scenes, so I'm going to mix them up. But um, between the two, right you hear the the monkey like <laughs> off screen making sounds and you know people screaming um you hear the this is like i'm like making a face right now because it's hard to say but like like the squelching of the the person getting attacked that's yeah. so disturbing yeah and and like the pop of the balloon that's like you know that's a jump scare so i think um peel really nails the sound design and like how that is used for the horror um and yeah, claustrophobia, like you were saying, was also really good. Um, and then, I don't know, there was also that scene where the UFO is dripping blood. I don't know if that was scary, oh, yeah. but that was such a great image. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Like, there there were multiple times where, like, I wasn't necessarily scared, but I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, that's the word I always used to describe yeah. things. But it's like, when the, you can tell the director was, like, really playing with a lot of elements. And it's like, oh, man, like, they were, when they shot this, they were ha- they were super hyped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when they got, you know, when they got that shot back there, like, this is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we were just talking about Gordy, though. So let's get into that. Let's move into that uh, topic. So Gordy, definitely um, one of the more scary parts of the film. And one that people I find often don't um, understand why it's there. Yeah. That's I, f- I find a lot of people are like leaving the theater wondering why it's in there. Which is really and, surprising to me personally when I found out that that's what people's reaction to it was. But, right? Yeah. Well, I think I'm one of those people though because I, I can see Uh-oh. how it gives him... Well, okay, I can see how it gives Jupe like a sort of a starting point for him to build his empire, so to speak. But I feel like it's just... It, it does feel weird that it's there. So I, I, that could just be me if one of you guys can explain better because, I mean, I'm just a chemistry student so I don't know anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's jump ahead to that um, idea then. So let's talk about what we think this movie is about uh, and how Gordy ties into it. Uh, sure. Aiden, do you want to do you want to take it away? Yeah. So I think like we were talking about this, where I think one of the biggest themes, and I don't think it's trying to hide this either, is that of exploitation and creating a spectacle out of like traumatic experiences and how you are persuaded in many ways through you know economic strangling like you're you're having a hard time um like as an artist to like essentially sell your trauma um and so i think like a lot of and although jupe isn't necessarily an artist i think like a lot of his story tied into that where it was like he had this horrible horrible experience and you can see that when he was a child um it like like it terrified him but now we cut back to as an adult and he's built this empire out of it and he he's almost like worked himself into believing that um like it like what he's doing is fine like in that almost that it was part of a grander plan like it was a bad miracle like they were talking about um 
like he this thing happened to him and it gave him the opportunity to build this empire and then that is swiftly taken away from him in one in one suck of the alien (laughs) (laughs) um swift swift suck yeah and i think like in terms of in terms of plot if i'm not mistaken because i heard that a lot of people were saying like they understood how it tied into that thematically but they didn't understand like quite in terms of plot why it was there um i understood that like it was largely jupe that was the reason jean jacket was hanging around there um that was something that i gathered from that it's been a little while since i watched it so in terms of plot it's that explanation of it where like jean jacket wouldn't even necessarily be threatening this family were it not for um were not for jupe thinking he could create a spectacle out of this thing that he does not understand um i'll let alex go i was talking for a bit yeah no i didn't pick up on that last bit i think that's one of those things that um like did you like find that somewhere on the internet kind of thing no it was something that was like i i I forget there was a there were a few lines of dialogue that gave me that impression that like Because, I mean, and well, I think part of it is that when we do see the show, um, like where they all get sucked uh, at the end, um, uh, like he has this, um, the way he talks about it is like as if he's known the aliens there for a long, long time. Um, mm. And I think I think that was one of the main things that made me think that. Uh, and so like in a way, like he was the person that set it all in motion. And I also... I thought that one of the points was as well that like you have in America, you have like, oh, we're making a spectacle out of these things. We're trying to control these things we don't understand. And the people that suffer from it are black people often often, and marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't bring it to themselves, but it just is there anyway. And it's become their problem. Uh, So I thought that that was one of the other ways it tied in. Interesting. Those are great points. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely um, make a lot more sense now. I did. Yeah, no, I did see that. Um, I read somewhere that it was like, yeah, there's hints in the dialogue that, um, ever since o- Otis senior is, um, is killed with the, the coin that around that time is when Jupe starts hanging out with the alien. Cause it's, it's shown up at that point. Yeah. Um, but I honestly, I don't think, there needs to be a plot connection for why the Gordy stuff is in there. I think yeah, it's I more, agree. I think it's more important that um, that it fits in with the rest of the story. Um, and, you know, knowing there's a difference between story and plot. Yeah. Um, so it, it just kind of fits in better with like the the meaning of the film. Yeah. So like like yeah, I get it. I get it for the layman's out there, Sasha, um, who are like hey what happened to the alien why am i watching the monkey kill people right now like i get that but also i feel like is i'm 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 really happy that you know in such a mainstream movie that something like this is happening where people are being forced to like kind of question yeah why such a scene is there and try to come up with like meaning behind something that doesn't make as much sense whereas so often like things are like spoon fed yeah um so I'm glad I'm glad that he put that in there, even if some audiences aren't like getting it or like need a little bit help to get there. Um, and, I think and that's, I thought, sorry, yeah, you go, you finish. <laughs> I think it's just like a retraining thing, right? Like audiences are so used to getting all the answers 
Um, yeah. That it's, you know, it's probably been a while since a blockbuster wasn't telling you all the, the answers up front, right? And I also thought it was really interesting. Like, it just, that scene accomplished a lot, I think, in, in exploring the theme. Like, we I know the shoe is on the notes here. Like, so I have a few thoughts about the shoe. I think that one is that, like, it's indication of it being a bad miracle. Like, it's just yeah. this, like, freak thing that happened by chance and the shoe was standing up and he's always i get the impression that like jupe has always thought about that and he's always looked at that and like took and taken it as a sign that that was a, a miracle in a sense but what i also liked is when you see the shoe sitting in the glass case in his thing if removed from the story the horror story that happened it's just a shoe and it's like that the object in and of itself does not mean anything and you wouldn't display it, but because it's attached to this horrific story and because it's something that people can then sink their teeth into and consume, it's, it's a traumatic experience that people can consume. It's, mm. it can be put on display. The trauma um, gives it meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because I think that again, like a lot of, a lot of the main theme is also about consumption. Um, like it wasn't lost on me that like the thing, the jean jacket is called, I believe referred to as the viewer at one point by Jupe. And it's either, that the, part. <laughs> it's either the viewer or the audience. And what ultimately undoes jean jacket is its own consumption. Um, mm, and I yeah, thought that yeah. was, I thought that was a really interesting point as well. No, you brought up a lot of great bits. Um, I agree. Like the shoe, um, the other co-host of the, the podcast peter who unfortunately couldn't make it today because he had to prepare her for his uh video game tournament or something catch him on destiny in the next couple of days i don't actually by the time i post this i'm sure it'll be over but um yeah that's yep that's where he is <laughs> so anyways he was asked he saw nope as well and he had some questions um, and one was the shoe. And I, I, I think I said the same thing. I, I said it was a bad miracle, which I think every time, like, like the, the moment I realized that that's what the shoe was, because even I would leaving the theater was like, what's up with that shoe? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, it's, it's the bad miracle. I was like, oh, peel you, you dirty dog. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so um, no. So, so yeah, that's, I think it's also interesting that it's pointing up. Like, it's just kind of like all this, this idea of like, that's just a, a visual motif at that point. But I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It also kind of just ties into this idea of um, like horror movies. The, the more compelling ones, the ones that you want to go back to are the ones that don't try to give you all the answers that give yeah. you something to bite on. So one of the most um, famous and prolific horror films of all time is The Shining. Yeah. Um, I only saw it for the first time a couple of months ago or a month ago or so. Um, and the reason why so many people love that movie and keep coming back to it is because of all of the things that can't be fully explained. The ghosts, the blood and with the elevator, the uh, room, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> I don't know. The twins, <laughs> you know, there's so many iconic imagery so like imagery is a big thing and the shoe 100 yeah. percent fits in that and then not everything needs to be explained right there's enough for the audience to to chew on and to ruminate about without you know being spoon-fed um all the answers so i think peel is tapping into that tradition um yeah but yeah so uh kind of jumping back a couple minutes to what the gordy thing yeah um yeah i think i think 
all that you said, Aiden, about Gordy, just like, yeah, it was, um, it was a traumatic experience for, I think it's Jupiter. That's his name. Um, or Jupe, um, you know, traumatic experience for him. And then he decides to, you know, take that and make a profit off of it with that. I don't know what he called it. Like, like I think of it like a sleep away, um, sleepover at at Jupe's ranch in the, in the trauma room. (laughs) Gordy's nightmare attack. Yeah, that's a great place to sleep. <laughs> that's a weird idea, but honestly, I'm not surprised. Like that sounds something that would exist in the real world, which is I mean, unfortunate. But it is pretty secure, though, right? Like it's hidden, kind of behind the wall, right? Nobody would know it's there. So I don't think you would have a chimp attack half of you in that room. Yeah. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> like it's creepy. Like. I don't know. I would definitely like start hearing monkeys. Like, <laughs> Jupe could totally be like fucking with the guests and like start playing monkey sounds over the. I think that'd be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's get into um, while we're on the topic of uh, exploitation. How about like let's pick apart this movie because um, exploitation is definitely like like the the grand thing. I think at least. Yeah. Um, so. So Aiden mentioned um, Jupe does it with the uh, with Jean Jacket when he creates the show, um, and yeah, there's this idea that like there's a difference between exploitation and um, doing something, I guess, with respect. I don't know if it's yeah. um, if it could still be considered exploitation, but at least there's some respect for the material. So I don't know, like what OJ and M do with yeah. the horses. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're the the ethical con or not consumption, but like creation of um, content. Or I hate the idea of calling things art content, but yeah, yeah. Um, the creation of film and whatnot with media. respect for the animals. Media, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas you know, Jupe has very little respect, even for his own trauma, right? Like he's that's that's exploitation. I think kind of has this connotation of lack of respect. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he, so he does, he's kind of like the dark side of what OJ and M could fall into. Uh, M seems to be um, wanting to get into that world of um, like just into Hollywood and stuff and doesn't seem to care like about the ethics of it. Right. So she's just trying to get that Oprah shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, what else is there? Um, well, I thought it was also interesting in that first scene, how it's like, we're not the first scene, but in the scene where OJ um, and M are at the movie shoot, at the commercial, um, I thought it was really interesting how, like, I thought that was another example of how, um, like, showing the wrong way to do things. Like, this is an animal. Like, you have to, you have to respect this. This is not something that is completely in our control. And so I think a, some of it was, the movie was also kind of suggesting that we exploit out of our own like hubris like we have this idea that we have this grasp on everything and i think there are multiple times in the movie where the point of it is to show how small we can be um like i think that that's that's to me one of the reasons why both the gordy scene and um the suck scene are so disturbing you know the scene where everyone gets sucked off 
Yeah, the, um, suck, the suck show. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like this idea like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be safe. Everything's, we have everything under control. And it's this rude awakening that we don't. And when you yeah. hear the people crying and you see them in the in jean jacket, um, it's just like a brutal reminder. Like they have no hope. Like they're lost at that point. They don't have any control. Um, yeah. It harkens back to, oh, good, I found the name. It harkens back to Siegfried and Roy with their yeah. lions or tigers or whatever, right? This idea that, like, these people who work with these animals have complete control when really they don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, I did do some reading before this pod, and apparently um, COVID, COVID kind of, like, inspired Peel for this. And so you can kind of see how this idea of this never-ending, like, uh, media about tragedy fueled the the media industry for a long time or like at least news during covid yeah. and so it's not hard to see like how how that is then made fuel for um this movie and then there's also kind of like um like a meta idea of how of of uh peel's job as a horror filmmaker yeah because doesn't all he do it like everything he does is exploiting trauma and it's fictional trauma but that's it's still trauma nonetheless right and it's and it has a bearing on real life yeah yeah and it's exploited for our entertainment so it's kind of the same thing um so like there's a question of like the morality of what peel does for a living as a filmmaker and yeah i mean yeah and it's it's interesting that like in a movie he's he's like commenting on like the use of animals in film and he's using animals in film so like it's yeah. hard not to like then you know point the mirror at him in kind of like a, a nope way right right well that's why like i thought like the dop character was like sort of supposed to be a bit of a stand-in for him like where it's like he's getting like the perfect shot like because you have this idea you see the tmz guy before and it's supposed to be like oh this guy is clearly like a vulture he doesn't care. He's part of this fast consumption culture. And there's the idea that like, well, a filmmaker is above that. But then it's like, ultimately, the filmmaker kind of wants the same thing as the TMZ guy. Um, yeah. And I thought that was, kind of, that was kind of an interesting critique. But one of the things that I, um, regarding like the topic of animals and using animals, I, the way I interpreted the movie was that it was saying that like, you're not necessarily wrong to use an animal or try to capture something that's outside of your grasp or your control. But it's this idea that like it is solely in your control and you, you have complete control over this. That's wrong. And that there's a right way to do things and that it's not, I think what I'm trying to get at is that like these naturalistic animalistic forces aren't good or evil. They just exist. And it's mm. only it's only us who kind of create the evil out of it. Like the creating creating a narrative. Yeah. 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 Like and I think that like that was what the fist bump was to me too, where it was like Gordy isn't evil. He doesn't like he doesn't want to like go and kill a bunch of people. He's still like he he had this bond with this child. He's not just gonna kill it. He has no you know what I mean? But there was a right way to do things and um because you could create an actual bond he yeah it's in the animal's nature really yeah and it's it's the idea of separating the animal from its nature is what's causing an issue 
right? So people are thinking that, like you said, they have a complete mastery over the animal, but they've forgotten that it has its true nature. And those are the rules it operates by, um, not by human rules where, you know, it's, you know, following the, the lines or whatever the script, right? Um, but yeah, that, that fist bump scene could, I, I could see that being quite perplexing, but I think what you said definitely nails it. It's that like, despite what he did, he still is the same animal who had that connection with Jupe. But, and it's hard to hold those two things uh, in balance. Um, I also think that in kind of in a way that this is what I was thinking, but I can see how it connects with what you were saying. It reminds me of E.T. So I feel like that was a, a direct callback to, um, you know, alien films of the past. Um, but that just kind of furthers your point, how it's like the the monkey, <laughs> the chimp still has the uh, the connection there. Um, with, uh, with all this talk of exploitation, would you say that the, um, I think they're the Hayworths and an OJ, um, would you say that are they like operating uh in ethically or moral um, gray water, or like, what do you what do you think? Do you mean in terms of what they do for a career, or what they're trying to, or how they're trying to take a picture of Jean Jacket? I would say that for their career, probably sure. fine, but yeah, more the Jean Jacket thing. Yeah, um, but well, I think that is an interesting turn in the exploration of it because it shows that like. Again, like uh, people aren't necessarily, like, uh, profiting off of trauma or these horrible situations, be out of some evil desire. Like it's not necessarily greed. It's like they are fairly desperate for money, and they have this opportunity. And because of the culture that exists, that they know if they can spin this narrative and sell the Oprah shot, they can make a lot of money. And so I I think that. May perhaps yes, they are operating in a bit of gray water, but like at the same time, like I don't know that I'd do something different if I like if I knew that it was gonna be curtains soon, this thing would probably be discovered soon, and like mm -hmm. no, it's not like the like the CIA or whatever is gonna do something super ethical with it, so like I'm be like, well yeah, I'm gonna if I'm like losing this house, my dad just died. Like, I have to try to fend for myself. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to make a little bit of money off of it, too. Um, I think you guys have raised interesting points. I could have had a field day with this movie about six months ago. I was taking this course that I just picked randomly called Animals in Society. And there's so yeah. many things that this movie talks about. Um, or at least... Aren't you, hold races. on. Aren't you, taking, aren't you taking Animals in Society, too, the sequel? No, I, I was going to, but Animals... What? Uh, critical animals you have to! Off. It's not being offered. If I if it was being what? offered, I would have I would have uh, taken it. Sounds um, like a cool course. Yeah, so it, there, there's a lot in there. Like, there's the exploitation of the animals. Uh, to me, okay, so in this movie, there's three distinct sets of the animals. There's, well, two, possibly three. There's the horses, there's Gordy, and there's Jean Jacket with a big question mark next to it, because how do we determine whether that's an animal or not? Is it even alive? I don't know. Um, so to me, I think basically, I think Gordy is definitely being exploited. And I think that is for sure a contributor to what, to his, um, to the attack that he, I mean, this is talking in like really anthropocentric terms, but I'm just going to go with it. The attack that he perpetrates uh, and his revenge, so to speak, on on the human characters. 
Um, but then, and then that culminates in his death, right? He goes on this rampage. Sure. He kills these people. He mutilates one, but then he, he goes bananas. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks Alex. So he, he goes on, he goes on this attack, but then he calms down and he sees Jupe and he's, there's this, there's this work towards this amazing moment where it's just this peaceful fist bump. And then out of nowhere, he's shot dead, right? It doesn't get any more, um, you know, violent against the animal than that. Right when he's, you've got an opportunity to, you know, not kill this thing and just you know, tranquilize it or whatever, put it in a cage, do something. They just shoot it and that's it. That's the end of this animal's life. It's Harambe all over again. Oh my God. I'm actually surprised that I was just no one thinking had, that too. No, <laughs> I'm surprised no one. I've never heard anyone yeah, talk actually, about Harambe. I after didn't even this think movie. about that. But it's been how many years? Six, six now. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, that's it's that out of people's minds. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Um, so that's the one. The second group is the horses, which I don't think they're actually being. I think they're treated the best of any of anybody. This family-owned ranch is. Um, you know they're taking care of these horses well. Uh, OJ goes out into the darkness with this alien circling overhead to go out and save the horses. Right, that is it shows that respect that he has for the animals and the care for them. Um, the fact that they're willing to sacrifice anything or do whatever they can to keep this ranch, to keep their horses, and it's you can see you can see the pain in OJ when he has to sell them because he clearly loves these animals, he enjoys taking care of them and doesn't want to part with them. And he knows that they're going back to, where they're going is, you know, this place of just pure exploitation of the story with yeah. Gordy, of the horses themselves, of the um, of the UFO with, with uh, Jupe's Amusement Park. So there's a lot of exploitation going on there. And even in the beginning too, when, the, when OJ gets fired from the commercial, he do, what happens there, the whole reason for that occurring is because the horse gets scared by seeing its reflection, which OJ was trying to prevent. And had that worked, and had there been more respect for the horse, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And maybe there wouldn't have been so many issues that led to all the problems that, that, they were, that his family was facing. Um, so I think of the three groups of animals, the horses are treated the best. And that's kind of the beacon of hope and the counter to what was being done with Gordy. And then, yeah, sure. There's the question of the alien. I group it into non into the animals because it's not human, right? So I would. I, I think it's fair to consider it an animal because it plays by the similar rules. Yeah, I think so. No, I, um, I would just yeah. Yeah, so I think it, it's and it it falls into a similar category as Gordy because all that they're doing is trying to get a video of it. They're trying to sell this video, and you know, for good reason you could say you could say it's ethical because you know the like the point Aiden raised they're going to take that money put it back into the ranch and presumably um use it to to better their lives and that of their business and the horses ultimately so you could make an argument there as to whether that's ethical um but i think it definitely is just another of of uh, example of that exploitation of the non-human um sort of species or, or entity so to speak so I think there's definitely a lot of that in this movie, and it's definitely a major theme of that that anthropocentrism that exists here. Yeah, I'm su I'm surprised you didn't pick up on the Gordy thing and like how it relates, given that you did take animals in society. Yeah. But uh, fail. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think 
I think, yeah, I don't know if the the whole jean jacket bit near the end, I don't know if that was, if you could fully consider that ethical. I mean, they definitely do take steps to make it more ethical than Jude did. But really, when you, when it comes down to it, like, what is the difference between them and Jupe? Jupe feeds the horses, admittedly, worse. But um, they're still taking the animal that's, um, you know, that could and does cause a lot of carnage and a couple deaths. And ultimately, they have to put it down, whether or not they know they're doing it, but um, they have to put it down to uh, to stop it. And they're still trying to get a picture all the way towards like the very end of the movie. Yeah. They're still trying to get um, to have their cake and eat it too or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, but, but I do think that like, again, like this was just thrust on them and it's their home. You know what I mean? Like, and I, what I liked about that is the way the movie navigated it, where it's like, I think it was trying to make that point that often people are driven to exploitation, particularly like, mm-hmm. I think that um, for creative people, people that are trying to create art, like, I think you are, because that culture exists and because of that paired with dire economic circumstances, like you're kind of driven to do that. I think the big difference between jupe and the hayworths is the respect that we were talking about i think the hayworths absolutely have more respect for their animals and i think that again like humans are animals and this thing is attacking them and so i think that like there is a certain degree of they are defending themselves and they are also um trying to make some money while they do it like but I think you can make a decent argument that, like, Jupe is a somewhat sympathetic character, too, because, like, what happened to him was pretty awful, and clearly things didn't pan out exactly how he wanted them to in his acting career, if he is where he is. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of in this position, you know what I mean? And, like, I don't think the movie... I'm not saying that's necessarily right, but I'm saying that, like, I'm, I think the point the movie is making is that our culture drives people into making unethical or ethically great decisions just to eat yeah i yeah i agree that um there is that component of it where m and oj are trying to save their ranch i did see this a month ago so i'm starting to forget the movie but um i almost i don't know if that was driven home enough for me or at least at this point a month later like i don't remember it um, I think there was a lot of like from the start, M wants to be famous for just whatever the um like greed but for fame, right? Like just fame hungry, it clout seems chasing. like. Yeah, cloud chasing. <laughs> clout or cloud chasing. I mean, oh. given this movie, there's some clouds. Um big movie for clouds and for cloud watchers, am I right, fellas? Um but I don't know. So there's, yeah, at the beginning, she's definitely a clout chaser. Um, and the, and the, the movie's trying to make a point against it. I think by the end, maybe she's turned around and has learned that lesson. Um, so yeah, yeah, I could see that, uh, that they're being driven to, ex- you know, exploit the, the animal for economic reasons. I, yeah, I, I concede. I see, I see your point. Um, I liked what you said though, about, um, about how the culture and just like, 
filmmaking in general or making art like you have to exploit um trauma and oftentimes it's your own right like yeah um just thinking about like screenwriting like I, I you know I'm watching YouTube videos about you know like how to's and all sorts of stuff and something that keeps coming up is like you have to put yourself into the script right yeah um and more often than not it's like what are those shitty moments you had right and put that part into the script um I mean you can also put your happy moments in too but like you're selling part of your soul is in the script and the same with uh directing or just like making any art really um there's on some on some level you're doing that yeah um wow yeah it's getting deep here on the podcast i just i i have a quick point about writing in general on that is that i've also like i've wanted to be a writer for a long long time i've tried writing and when i was a kid i not a kid like a teenager and those short stories i would write like they often started from this place of like okay what's this thing that is like really bothersome and like a deeply rooted frustration or problem that I have and I'm going to try to build a story out of it but the more I've grown as a writer the more I've realized well no matter what you do you put yourself into your work so mm-hmm. and to me everything I've ever when I've ever sat down and be like okay I'm gonna talk about uh fucking I'm going to talk about class struggle. Like if I ever sat down and I was like, I'm going to talk about this, like it's going to turn out like shit. It's like, it's, it has to be a more ground up. It's going to be, it's going to be preachy. Yeah. It's going to happen. If you start with the theme. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, I think that this movie is interesting in that, like, cause it's starting from just capturing this big idea instead of trying to build stuff up in a more, ground grassroots authentic way i think i'm reaching a bit there but like i just in terms of my own philosophy of writing i i can't help but put it into what i saw yeah um i mean yeah even even people like taika watiti have to put themselves in the thor movie maybe even two times (laughs) <laughs> you just really got to put yourself in your own movies <laughs> no but what you're saying is true yeah. um let's uh i'm gonna skip ahead to um a point that we had later on but i feel like fits kind of into this idea um sure. yeah that tmz guy um sure. and we we did kind of already bring him up and he's definitely like an example of jupe and you know the worst of the exploitative news cycle and Oh God, the news cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, sorry, the news motorcycle in this case. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I'm terrible, guys. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about that I think might have some meaning. Um, his helmet is one, another one of those examples of something like visually so interesting yeah. um, that, you know, elevates this movie. You know, peel, like that helmet could have been anything. Yeah. And instead of it being just a generic helmet, it's fully reflective surface, which is fantastic. It plays into the 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 jean jacket thing uh, with seeing a reflection. And also, I think there's uh, an element of like reflecting that character is like a reflection of us as yeah. like the consumer. So like, I think, I think, and I mean, reflections comes up a couple of times in the movies. I think that's an idea of like, the audience also has to look at themselves as consumers and what is ethical consumption as well as ethical creation. Yeah. And 
exploitation. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I felt the same way about the mirror helmet. And I thought it was also interesting, um, like, because, I mean, one of the themes I think we've, like, we've been talking about is kind of like this animals versus humans thing. Um, and then you have the mirror uh, with the horse in the beginning. The horse sees a reflection and he gets scared by his own reflection. And I think, like, I don't know if the movie really touches on this at all, if it really explores this, but the only, the thought I had thinking about after the movie was that when you compare that to the scene with the tmz guy whereas like humans are at our core animals too and if we as the consumer could see ourselves we'd be scared like and yeah. I, like i had this nice. i don't know exactly how to weave that Damn, into the rest of the bro. movie but i just like yeah like i just fuck dude like, are you <laughs> how high were you when you came up with that one <laughs> dude yeah don't even worry about it um yeah speaking of this whole eye thing um let's talk about the jean jacket's eye also its mouth Mm. also its butthole um isn't it kind of weird that like the alien follows the same rules as animals on earth do this this has been bugging me for a while sure like you know animals on earth follow certain rules you know don't look them in the eye sometimes and it's not all animals and i don't know there's other rules like i think you're not supposed to smile at chimps or something right. like because it's that's an ag- teeth. yeah yeah it's yeah. bearing your teeth exactly it's an aggressive thing instead of a happy thing um so you know all animals have different rules don't like sudden movement or like red flags for bulls whatever yeah. um anyways i just yeah i think it's kind of weird that like and i guess convenient for the Haywares that it's so similar to training a horse or you know that they know how to train sure i mean <laughs> i guess i guess otherwise you'd have like this unsolvable problem where you know this is an alien that follows by rules that nobody knows and then yeah. like what are you gonna do um i don't know i found it like a little bit easy in a sense sure yeah i can see that uh, um but i don't know the more i thought of it um because sometimes I lie awake at night thinking about Jean Jacket's butthole <laughs> slash eye. Um, <laughs> um, but I think there's actually like some amount of meaning to it. And I think, Aiden, you might have mentioned it before. But like the whole idea is if you look at the eye, you get sucked up. And I think that has to do with this idea of, you know, wanting to be seen, this like mirror reflection. Like we keep swirling around this topic, but um m's whole thing is that she wants to be seen and i think this was something i came across when i was doing research but um someone described oj as wanting to be seen and this movie was a long time ago so i don't really recall but like i i definitely remember from the first scene when they're on the film set he's very uh like introverted and he feels like he isn't being heard Mm -hmm. so in a different sense he he wants to be seen. He wants to be seen, but he isn't loud about it. And M is loud and still feels unseen. So it's interesting that the the way that you die is like looking into this eye that's like looking at you, right? Um, and it's kind of like this, like I, I called it like this camera that like swallows you up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It kind of plays into these ideas and I think it's also interesting. I think the very first thing we see in the movie 
after there's a, a proverb and then the first thing we see is i want to say jean jacket's pov like through like there's this weird i i couldn't tell what it was at the time but later you realize that it's maybe jean jacket's pov where it's like this square and like lights are leading up to the square oh, yeah. so like i think that's like it's intestine or well, whatever yeah. um and is looking at the the man on the horse thing so it's kind of like camera like and viewer like yeah i don't know so like there's this idea of like you know if you look if you look into like this thing looking at you i don't know it's really rough in my head but like it makes sense to me in my mind yeah no i, I think i know what you're saying I also thought that one of the things, and this is going to be a half-baked idea, so strap up for this. Uh, <laughs> but I'm strapped. I, yeah, <laughs> um, like, I thought that it was kind of touching on, like, almost the reciprocal nature of consumption. Like, in a way, Jean Jacket and the Haywards are consuming each other. Uh, mm, like, yeah. if you think of Jean Jacket as, like, the viewer or or the audience it's because it's called that it's called like the watcher or something by um but you um like it is kind of it's doing the same thing like it is by in a literal sense exploiting these things it's eating for its own gain now it's more of like a biological need it's it's eating food that it needs to survive but i think like and then at the same time you have the haywards that are trying to capture it uh, for their own gain. And I think that there is something interesting, like you were saying about how, um, like if you want to be consumed, then you will, and it will consume you like entirely. Like, if that makes sense, like, I, I don't know, it's kind of tying into what you were saying. Whereas if you think about it as, if you think about jean jackets, eye slash butthole, as this thing that is watching and capturing you and looking to consume you, then it's like, we have this urge to be consumed almost like we can't look away and we have to be yeah. noticed. Like you were saying, um, and that, that, that very well can be the death of you. If you don't keep it in check. Like I, I, I felt something along those lines. Um, yeah. Like there's something about like, if you're, if you're going to stare down the barrel, which is like a, a technical film term as well, like just mm -hmm. looking straight into the camera, like you can't, you can't back away from it. I mean, yeah. no, you do have to back away. <laughs> the metaphor gets kind of muddy when you watch the movie, but um, like, like, you know, you have to stand your ground, I guess, is what um, Otis Jr. does in the end, right? Um, I don't know how that's different from like what the other characters do i guess some try to run so like if you run that's not good um yeah. but i think i think there's something there about like like this idea of the alien being that watcher the viewer and it's watching these people who are trying to create content in different ways so like it's a show it's a something else and um you have to like be ready for that or like again half-baked ideas here but um yeah yeah well i think that one of the points that we have i like and we don't have to get to this right now but like one of my points my main criticism was like messy writing and this kind of plays into this scene a little bit for me where 
I didn't understand why they couldn't just straight up look down and slowly walk away. Like I really, I really just didn't understand why they couldn't do that, and like and why they do though, right? And then like... they do, and it's like not a problem when they do. And I was like, okay, like surely you've abandoned ship on getting the picture at this point, because it seems like they have once everything goes wrong. And it's like yeah. they keep like starting to look down and walk away, and it's like, why don't you all just do that? Like I didn't really. Like, that was my main problem with that last scene where it was, like, I felt like I couldn't feel the stakes because I didn't quite get what was at stake. And I didn't quite get what would go wrong if they did certain things. Like, for example, when the TMZ guy, like, drives in, I was like, okay, but why is this a problem? Like, OJ has to go out there anyway. Like, I was kind of like, I don't know, like, he's... Wait, I, I get I get that he's like annoying. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that the TMZ guy was an issue for a couple reasons. Um one, he's just like someone who doesn't know what the plan is and is just gonna mess things up anyway, yeah. so that they, they can't execute their plan. Yeah. Two is the reflective helmet. So no matter what, it's gonna be looking at Jean Jacket and he doesn't know how to respect the animal, so he's gonna okay. try to go away from it and it's just gonna keep attacking him because it'll see itself. Um three he's got an electric motorcycle which as we see fucks him up when jean jacket right. comes goes around um yeah so yeah okay, yeah so here's a question what would happen if okay so say we know that obviously they can't look at this thing or else it's going to kill them what happens if four of them stand in a big square and they all look at <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually Which one does it go for? This. Does it just land yeah. in the center and then just yeah. start sucking, or does it go pick off each? <laughs> yeah. Who would how would it decide which one to go first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh man. We gotta be careful with our language. This is getting really dirty, dude. Um, Alex, it's just an alien that likes to suck you. Like, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it's it's okay, not so, our fault. So, 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 so let me fault. let me ask you the question back yeah. to you. So. <laughs> there's four people standing in a circle yeah and the alien is in the middle of the circle which which one does it suck first yeah. that's the question well no the question is how would it decide yeah. number one and what would happen yeah. really Man, um that's funny because no, yeah we know I, we, we can't look up at it but i mean it's well we know okay obviously so by virtue of it only attacking when they're looking at it Maybe it's been you. It has you have to imagine that it also knows when you're looking, right? So it should be able to see everybody. So maybe in that time that it's been observing, it's you know grown to like one of them more than the others. You know, to like actually answer your question, like I agree. I think there's an issue there because thinking back to um, Jupe when he gets sucked, um, when when Jupe gets sucked. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he doesn't move. Like he yeah. stands his ground. Yeah. So why does he die? Like so, I feel like yeah, I don't understand what the rules are here exactly. Yeah, and that was my problem. That was my biggest problem with the end, where I actually I got to a point where I know one of your you guys said your complaints were that the characters like weren't developed. I thought that Jean Jacket like wasn't developed enough. Where I was like, I yeah. don't really get like. Mm. I don't understand what exactly a jean jacket's after because sometimes it's like, oh, this is just an animal that wants to eat. And then other times... It, it... Is it an animal that wants to eat? Because I... There's an interpretation... Is it... Okay. Is is jean jacket ever just roaming looking for food? 
because from what I recall, it's only attacking. It's not eating. Right. It's yeah. finding things that are showing that it thinks is aggressive um, behavior, things that are looking back at it, and it doesn't like that, and it consumes them as a way to get rid of that threat. Um, yeah, I think cause, because because something has to have obviously provoked it, right? Like there, like this family ranch has been there for years. Somebody's got to have noticed it if it was just randomly going around looking. For well, I, I don't think it's been here for years. I think it was it, it showed up around the time when Otis Senior dies. Yeah, I guess so. But um, I feel like they would have. They definitely would have. There's been enough time that they would have noticed something if it was going to just be you know lurking around constantly for food. Right? Yeah, something something yeah, definitely yeah. set it off. That's it's and it's being more vicious at this time. Well, I think and that was Jupe. Like that was what I gathered yeah. from it. That, like Jupe was fucking with it, and like and I think that oh, I guess I'm now thinking that maybe it became it came to think of like this area as a constant food source. Oh, if Jupe don't, feed yeah. don't feed the yeah, animals. Don't feed the animals. Don't feed the geese or whatever. Yeah. Um, Another great point, Jordan Peele. Don't feed the animals. <laughs> Um, um yeah let's um you mentioned uh my one of my complaints so let's let's go there i'm gonna we're hopping around a discussion point so anyone trying to follow along on our side is probably getting lost but um yeah i felt that the uh the original og jean jacket uh being the horse not the um yeah. the alien uh and just kind of like m and oj's backstory I felt the the I felt leaving the theater. I was wanting more from that. Mm. Um, there, it seemed to be like this whole big thing where there was there was some beef between them, right? There was some uh, dissonance, like like they hadn't spoken in a while, and so there seemed to be like something there, right? There's some unresolved issue going on, and I kept trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And they allude to it. There's something about Jean Jacket. Okay, what is that? And then all we get is the briefest of flashback sequences where we only get like a really small view. Like I think it's, we see it through the window, the upstairs window, right? So we see um, the kid outside and then the reverse shot of that, um, of the person in the window, Eminoje. And I was just kind of like, that's it. We're not going to see what that whole issue was. And it's a they go for the um the explain it rather than show it show don't tell is usually the way to go but instead um emma's explaining what happened and i just yeah i felt like the whole backstory um i think i think the backstory is that she was promised a horse um she was gonna get to train one and like so not just like i want a pony kind of thing but she wanted to be involved in the family business yeah and um their father never let that happen like he just always uh helped uh otis jr figure out the business and and was kind of pushed away and that's really interesting and is barely touched upon see i liked it though because that wasn't what was important to me what was important was that otis saw her and that she yeah, wanted to be yeah, seen and noticed, right? Yeah. Like, and so I, the way I took it is that, like, like you said, she wanted to train this horse, got taken away from her, and she was upset about that. And the way I see it is that the rift that existed between OJ and M was that um, 
OJ might have been under the impression, like this the entire time, that M was mad at OJ for what had happened, for the fact that like the horse that was supposed to be that was promised to M, OJ took with his dad to this show instead. But the reality and the impact of that scene, because I I see that scene as them making up, like right and like patching over this rift, um, is that she was never upset at him at all, and in fact it was a positive memory of him for her, um, because in this moment where she felt probably pretty alone because it was this thing she wanted and like her dad doesn't seem to care, she was seen by her brother and her i think she probably recognized that her brother didn't have much power over it either i think that her main problem was just that because she was pushed away she isn't as attached to the ranch anymore as oj and that's why that's why the problem persisted into adulthood but the core of it is actually a very it's a bonding moment i think in the end she gets what she wants too right she she's given this uh this alien the name of jean jacket to replace that thing that she didn't have and then in the end she's the one who you know with the help of with of oj sort of luring it away um she's the one who's able to escape and then uh ultimately take the pictures of it uh as it's dying as it's, um it's i can't remember what exactly it eats at the end that causes it to die was it oh it's the inflatable right the, 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 balloon, yeah, yeah. the balloon guy yeah so she ultimately causes it to, to feed on that, then take the, takes the picture. So in a way, she's kind of like tamed it to its death, basically. And so that gives her that satisfaction that she was able to um, train or tame that jean jacket in the end that she lost out on. But does yeah. she train it? I think in her it mind seems she does. More, it seems a lot more like Otis is doing the thing. Yeah, but she's like, the one that ultimately lures it into the position I she suppose. needs it into. And then I also liked how, like, and then Otis is there for her after. Yeah. Like, because like, it's the revelation is almost like that they, in fact, care a lot for each other. They, they actually yeah, deep they down have a very strong to, connection. To, yeah. To, um, to kill yeah. this thing. And then you earlier you mentioned the the eyes on me uh, gesture. You kind of gestured it, and I will remind you that there is no yes, video for this. Right. So I'm just going to explain. He does the like points at his <laughs> eyes and points at her eyes, or maybe just at her. I don't know. Yeah. I don't exactly remember the gesture, but and then it's supposed to have significant meaning. It's in the the flashback, and and then it's in the uh, present when they're trying to deal with Jean Jacket. Um, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, you have good points. And I, I think you're on the right. I think you're right. I just don't know if it was enough for me as a, as a audience member. Like, sure. I just, I just remember leaving the theater and just being like, like there was something missing for me. I also just had like a, a bit of an idea that I think mm -hmm. that like, there's also the movie might be suggesting that you know, like everyone wants to be seen and, but it's like, it's far more important and will bring you more fulfillment to be seen by those around you and those you love rather than like this oh, yeah. machine. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I think you got it. That's it. We've cracked the movie. Okay. Podcast yeah. over. Um, no, well it. done. Well done. Aiden. Okay. I have to, I have to rewatch this movie. Cause I think, I think I could be convinced that it's a great movie. Not, 
I don't okay. I don't think I'll, I'll ever watch it and think it's like a five star movie. I don't think I will. But yeah, like there's it's just for whatever reason, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think I think I could be convinced that there maybe isn't as many issues as I had the first time. Um, actually, speaking of, you were talking about the balloon, Sasha. It's just like an inflatable, right? Like, why is it filled with helium? Well, to Weren't keep it. Most- to so keep it stays it, upright. Right? Yeah, so that doesn't just look like this limp, saggy thing. Yeah, but if you just pump it full of air, then it's that's what an inflatable is. You've inflated it, so it's it's going to retain its shape. Well, it retains its shape, it, but it might sink. Like a balloon sinks to the ground, right? So it's tied down, so like it'll stay up. Because I don't remember. You, Was it like tension. tied to like the top of something though? I no, it's tied to the ground. Yeah, because oh. she has to like move around yeah. to remove the stakes in the ground. So like well, the stakes are going to hold it up right because there's tension on all sides. Sure. Physics, Sasha. Uh, what is physics, Sasha? You're the one who started in physics. I'm a chemist. Um, we were both in physics. <laughs> okay, well, let me think about this for a, more than a quarter of a second. So I feel like, okay. It's just an inflatable. Just... It shouldn't float. Well, it should. Okay, but did you it... consider that the plot requires it to? <laughs> ah, <laughs> think about that. I mean, the thing you is, like, me. it's filled with helium so that it can float, right? If you just fill a normal balloon, it's gonna—if you go up a balloon, it, it's gonna fall to the ground. So right? it's so easy to write something that works better. You just have a hot air balloon that's sure. part of the experience. Okay, wait, hold on. Jupiter's but range. then it doesn't have eyes. Hold yeah. on, and on the thing is Jupe's face. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. The only issue, I guess, okay, the only issue is the alien wouldn't explode, but it could easily catch fire. Okay, wait, hold on. Did, did, when the alien died... He'll call me. Did it, when it died, did the noises, no. were the noises that it was making higher pitched? Because they should have been if it was filled with helium. <laughs> I think it probably, it might have been. it's possible, I don't remember. But I didn't I feel think like about that. If I rewatch it... Was it even talking, though? Well, it was making some noise, right? And I think uh, that noise should be because there's lots of helium around. Those noise that those sounds. W- no, be wouldn't it be so like. funny if we still heard the screams of the people, yeah, but then they like, sounded eh! like chipmunks? <laughs> 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 it's like Alvin and the chipmunks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, that would have been some dark humor. Um, oh god. Um, okay, where should we go from here? Um, let's take it back. There's, okay, so we, we kind of touched upon um, this idea of animals versus humans, mm-hmm. or, or the um, non-humans versus humans, at least. There also seems to be some sort of a, um, at, least, at least a motif about uh, analog versus tech, and that's just due to the nature of the alien, um, like, zapping electricity away, and like, mm-hmm. like almost like an EMP removing, which is something that um, in, like, sci-fi has been it's been a thing for a while so it's kind of like um taking that idea and applying it so that in this specific context people can't record it as easily which is the whole it it you know it's a it's a barrier that they have to cross but um i think peel uses it and like i almost feel like he's making a point about it but i'm not i'm not entirely sure what do you guys think about that I guess the yeah. only thing I had in my head when we have the DOP recording it on this old film camera was you, one of the things you always hear about filmmaking is that it's like, oh, it's all about control. Like, it's all about controlling, like, every single element and making the frame exactly what you want it to be. But if you actually look at the history of film, like, especially when people were, like, filming outside on the first film cameras when they finally developed cameras that could do that well, like, 
it wasn't really that like so much was out of the control and i think that like one of my problems with a lot of movies now is that they're too polished and they don't have any texture to them because there's too much control you're talking about um like you're referring to film grain right that and just like straight up like when you like a movie now like when it's filming outside we'll have like entire chunks that are just still blue screened in right like or and there's still a lot that um i mean if you're if you're thor love and thunder yeah but like even movies where it's like instead of like that wasn't an option before and so like if they can't find a location and they can't make the location work like they're just going to blue screen it but um like i think i saw it as like taking it to more of like a pure version of the art form like what it at the very beginning was which is just trying to capture reality i don't know actually i'm so there's there's something oh man i wish i knew more about cameras so i tried to look it up um with this whole idea of like the analog versus tech i was wondering what is nope shot on but i know nothing about cameras so i looked it up and i don't know what that means um but like yeah there's i don't know sometimes i'm like is there like a point that people's trying to make about you know that the analog is better and that like you said digital just kind of like takes away the uh the imperfections that kind of make it unique or like i don't know or like maybe that like the analog is like the old reliable right like the horse isn't going to break down with the alien and you know well i think he's trying to get the characters to like be more primitive i feel like um and kind of just what? well because they have to go back <laughs> to like they have to rely only on this this film camera right they can't they have to abandon yeah. you know they, they they went through the whole process of buying these security cameras and then angel coming in and setting them up and then him sort of joining forces with them so they go through all this but then it turns out the only way for them to um like to actually get what they want is like old style with this film camera mm-hmm. so it almost seems like it's like basically just yeah the alien kind of taunting them in a way and saying like no you know what you're not actually that great because here i am i'm gonna render your tools useless and uh, like if they hadn't known about this guy who had made this camera how would they have done it like how would they have got the video of this thing they would never would have or it would have been a lot harder to at least so i feel like it's kind of that to me is just like another example of just the alien taunting them um and just giving yeah. them something else to have to overcome in order to get what they want from it and just make it harder for them to to expose this thing. But yeah, I also, I don't think it's necessarily saying analog superior either because I think it ties into the whole idea, like, if the person behind it has, like, the same, I guess, exploitative intentions, then True, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Because, like, the again, like, the DOP winds up kind of being the same anyway and i looked it up dope is shot on like big imax cameras i would assume to like make it I'm a pretty sure spectacle it, i'm pretty sure it was digital yeah there's yeah. no way <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i think i think it's trying maybe leading you in that direction and then the twist of the dop being too like overly obsessed i think it's supposed to be a bit of a, a twist on that yeah. expectation Interesting. let's yeah um Actually, sorry, one, one more thing. We'll get to the DP now that you mentioned it, but Sasha, you were saying about the primitive 
how the alien makes you use like more primitive weaponry. And you know what movie that reminds me of? Predator from 1987. <laughs> um, we're not ready for that segue. Um, the DP, um, Holst, I think is his name. It's kind of weird, this character. He, in his spare time, you know, fiddles with his film um, of like dangerous animals attacking each other or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's like snakes attacking tigers and I don't know, like random stuff like that. So it's like, oh, he's perfect for the job. Andy, because we met him on the film set where he wasn't doing that, right? Like his day job and his hobby are very different, (laughs) which I mean, all the power to him, but it's real convenient that the one DP that they met is like 100% into that shit, right? (laughs) What a quinky dink. Yeah. Sometimes movies just be like that, but... Yeah, so there's a certain amount I just forgive where I'm like, okay, yeah, like they need a guy who could do it. This is a fairly natural way for them to meet him. And so I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I just, for me personally, I feel like the character was just like kind of just thrown in there randomly. It felt very out of place because he's like just kind of this old guy and he's just from a totally different generation. And sure, he comes in and saves the day with his camera. But honestly, for me, like he didn't do anything more than that, I feel like. I, mean, I don't even know why did like because yeah. like the whole thing I was just confused like because he's like sort of sitting in like this like I don't even remember like where he was kind of but there's like all these like you know, all that stuff on like his TV or whatever it just it, it felt very out of place I think he was in like his home yeah, editing so. suite or whatever but yeah. yeah I just feel like like it's it's a little bit too like wrapped in a bow nice like everything just works out perfectly yeah. I think there's an opportunity like the guy could have just been some guy they found on the internet who was like a DP who really liked that sort of stuff. I don't know that he needed to be the guy from the first movie or if he's the guy from the first movie, did he have to also have this insane hobby that completely meshes with what they do, what they're trying to get done. I didn't think it was that crazy though. I thought it was more just like, cause he has the line where it's like, I do one for, I do one for you and then I do one for me. He says that, and it's you like, that? yeah, I don't remember any he of says that. that, and it's like the idea that like, he does these things, just, he does these like commercial shoots to fund like passion projects and things he really cares about. Oh, oh yeah. He's sorry. He said that to, um, to like the business yeah. side, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you meant to M and OJ and I was like, what? No. Um, no, I think you're right. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think it was that strange. I think like, I think that's a common thing right that you have like artists who will do stuff they don't want to do to fund what they actually want to do and then i also don't think it's that crazy that a dop is obsessed with like getting the perfect shot of like this naturally occurring thing yeah i don't know i I, it didn't feel like it didn't feel stretched thin to me well to each their own i suppose but I think it's pretty hilarious that the DP dies trying to get that perfect shot. Like, yeah. he will not. I don't know. And he almost seems to, like, know he's going to die doing it. He doesn't Right? Care. That's what yeah. I thought. And I was like, dude, is it that worth it? Yeah. It's for the art. It's for the art form, I guess. Um, okay, let's get to uh, one of my f- most anticipated points. Um, there's a lot of biblical references in this movie. Uh, it opens on a proverb that I was able to find... I will read it. Uh, it's It said, um, I will cast abominable filth upon you, comma, make you vile and make you a spectacle. 
Um, so there's that. And um, there's this idea of, and I, I will admit some of this came from my research, but mm-hmm. um, there's, there's kind of like this motif of like this alien is making people rise into heaven, I guess. Mm. Um, something that I, I, I think I picked up on immediately was that the idea that the final, what I call the final form of the, um, the, uh, the alien, almost like it's a Pokemon that's evolved is like this biblically accurate angel. Um, even like in the theater, I'm sure I whispered to Sasha, like, that's what that, that's what that is. Um, I, and I think, I think it's on purpose for that. I've heard other people say it's like a jellyfish or I also thought it looked kind of like a kite. Um, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I think there's something to be said about like, like there's some sort of biblical analogy going on here. Yeah, I I don't know very much about the Bible, admittedly. Yeah, so there's, neither do I. I. There is not much analysis I can give. I think the quote is interesting because I like the idea. You know, I said that like these things in nature like aren't good or bad until like we make them vile. Like, I, I, I kind of like that idea of the quote. Like, we turn them into a spectacle before we intervene. They're just things that exist. Um, and so that's how I took the quote. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I can't really be saying shit about the biblical references because I don't, <laughs> I really would just be talking out of my ass. Yeah. yeah if not you, then none of us are going to no, be good because I know Sasha and I definitely not. Yeah. The one thing um, I will say, though, about like going back to the, the proverb, though, is like, it's definitely like putting this alien in or this UFO in a bad light. Now this from now I'm considering it from the UFO's perspective. Like, you know, they're just making it feel really sad and it's just like, Oh, they want to like kill me. And like, that's not nice. And so they're trying to, they're basically like making it feel they're making, they're turning it into the antagonist, which arguably from our perspective, it is. But if you consider the other perspective, right, that's, that's where it is. Now you could also say like, in that proverb, if he's casting, if it's if it's casting filth, you know, maybe that's like the excrement that is throwing down back to earth. So maybe that's what it's referring to. That proverb, um, I think, where you like, I think that proverb could be read from two different yeah. viewpoints. So you're talking about the the jean jacket, like it's casting abominable filth, like the blood on the house or or like the metal bits, right? Um, and it makes them a spectacle. Um, but I think it also applies to like the filmmaker, like it applies to Peel. It applies to the people who are trying to capture, um, jean jacket on film or exploit jean jacket, because they're also, you know, casting abominable filth, like on the screen and make you vile complicit and make you a spectacle for you to watch. So I think, I think it works on two layers, which are the best things, the best things work on many layers. Um, yeah so i think the last kind of like talking point is um or like one of the last sorry um black man on a horse that's the um this kind of the first thing we see um it's part of the first image yeah is that um that first uh video and i think that ties into the idea of exploitation right there's this this jockey who was filmed and he's the first guy on film and we don't even really know his name and they claim ancestry with him but no one i don't i don't think it's known yeah i don't think in in 
real life. I don't think it's known who it is. I think it's yeah. a good way to like. It was definitely captivating in the trailer, right? Because the trailer opens with that, with that explanation of it. Um, I just don't think it was necessarily like it, it was tied in well insofar as like sure this this movie is about you know making this film of this thing and then it's centered around a black family owned horse ranch but then that's it right it doesn't get much further than that for me at least so i think it's it's definitely interesting and it was a good point in the trailer it just didn't come across that well in the um, movie itself i feel like i i liked it i thought it tied in well i i Thank the you, way man. i saw it in the context of exploitation i saw it as like like black people is particularly in america have always been exploited and then received nothing for it um and so like i did like it was like i was saying earlier where it's like like the hayworths didn't bring jean jacket to themselves which is why i think again like i was saying like they're more justified to fight back but um yeah like they didn't bring it to themselves but they're they're experiencing all of the the detriment of it you know what i mean like it just it's destroying the ranch it's just killing their horses um and like there is a certain degree i couldn't help but feel like like no one would really care if they like made it public that this was happening to them like i i, I don't know i can tell you exactly what gave me that feeling but um yeah um, so I felt. yeah no what you said about um history of like um how historically black people have um gotten like the short end of the stick i think you i think it applies well to if you specifically narrow that field to the horror genre i think it applies particularly well because there's that common phrase that the black person dies first in horror films and actually peel does do that in this movie as well the first person who dies is otis senior um and so I think with the old footage, I think it's, yeah, this, this person, this jockey was exploited, probably not paid for their work. Um, and so it, it ties into the idea of exploitation and probably how, now I, I guess I wouldn't know much about this, but like, you know, trauma and how that um, applies to, to black people as well is exploited, um, I guess on film as well. Um, but yeah, um, and and also, sorry, more about how Otis Senior dies. He's also on a horse when he dies. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, pretty big stuff. Um, <laughs> and then I think it's great that the final image is a black man on a horse and he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, I have heard people think that he's actually dead and it's a hallucination. Oh really? Apparently, oh, there are hallucinations oh. in the movie, which I didn't remember at all. But... I. I, I don't remember there being hallucinations either. Uh, I think there's one scene that Otis Senior appears in when he's dead, like he's a, like a like a vision for Otis Junior. Oh. Like he sees Pop, um, oh, but yeah, yeah. that I would be. Like but then it's Am at the end who would be hallucinating. So uh, I think that's I think that's like a you know one of those things where it's I like think that's a Reddit moment. Was it real or like you know trying to. <laughs> pull the rug out from under you for the ending and i don't i don't think that's the case i think it's great that the final image you know we start with black man on a horse first death black man on a horse and it's something that's like kind of taints the rest of the movie in that um like it kind of like drives 
things forward. And then final image, black man on a horse and he's alive. He's made it. Right. So I think that's great. Um, the ending. Um, did you ever get to your bit about the messy writing? Was that just Jean yeah. Jacket? Yeah, it was mostly Jean Jacket. It was, I didn't quite get what their plan was, like exactly why. And so for me, the problem was I didn't get how and why it could go wrong and did go wrong. So when it did go wrong, I was just like, okay, but how did you plan against this? Like, I didn't, mm. I didn't quite understand, like, it just didn't quite line up for me at the end there. It okay. was, it was mostly, um, and then I thought that it revealed like some cracks that I saw that I think were sort of there the whole time, which was like kind of the way it explained it. Like there were a few times where I felt like it gave us information after we should have gotten it. And I think that that, end scene was an example of that to me where it was like we're kind of learning what could go wrong as it goes wrong and i feel like that wasn't set up enough for me yeah what was um there's something i was thinking about like something that we just should have known earlier do you know specifically what that might have been i i'm struggling to think about it now but i remember thinking in the theater like okay and then like when it had and then i didn't i kind of like forgave it and then when i got to the end i was like it's kind of the same problem for me yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe it was something about M and OJ, like something about their relationship. I wish I had just known from the start. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. For me, the ending, there's something that bugs me is the fact that like at the end, everyone kind of gets what they wanted. I think I said this earlier, but like everyone gets their cake and eats it too. So they get the picture of the alien. I think the videos might be gone. Because yeah. the alien does attack the tent kind of hideout, so maybe this is the only thing they get is the old timey camera. But weren't there all those other journalists there too, like investigating the disappearance at the ranch? So, is it possible that somebody else got it on tape from there? Like at least the death of this thing? Uh, there weren't any journalists around. I mean, there were police were at the end. Or the maybe police show up police very quickly. Well, because because right I remember there was there was definitely journalists reporting on like the vanishing of all those people at the park, but. Were they actually there or not at the end? I don't remember. It might have just been the police then. Uh, I don't think... I think the point was that M and OJ are the only ones who have it. I guess so. Um, I'm, I'm but, not quite sure, actually. So I could be yeah. wrong. But, but like, yeah. my It bugs me. It bugs me that it's such a happy ending, which, I mean, it's not, I it's know, not a terrible it? thing that... it's. I think so, because Em and OJ are both still alive and have a picture of the alien. They've yeah, lost, but, like, think they about lost the, way the they... camera DP that they didn't know. They're going to get their ranch back. It's all, yay, everything, you know? Which, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe there's like a, a, a thematic reason why everything should be happy. But I, I felt I like, like a sense of dread at the end of it. Like, neither really? of them... Like, I guess, like, there's the classic, like, horror movie, like, they're just exhausted, and they're happy it's over. But, I don't know, like, the way they're both reacting is, like, they didn't, for me, it's like, they really didn't want to be in this situation. And now that they kind of got what they want, like, although it gives them the financial boost they need, like, it doesn't feel good. Like, that's what it felt like for 
me like i think in specifically in emerald's reaction uh, like i don't know that, that it it didn't seem like an overly positive react ending to me i i didn't read it that way i i feel like i didn't get a sense of dread at the end no i didn't do that uh, i thought it was i agree with alex i think it was a happy ending for sure the, I, like the final the second final sorry sorry yeah. Sasha, you go. no i was just gonna say like it, it definitely like just the way that I, I think a lot of that comes from like just seeing oj on that horse at the end right yeah like, triumphant and alive because you think you think for sure he's gonna die right because there's that moment where uh that you, you brought up before where he makes the eye gesture he points at him where he points at, at m and so you kind of think you're led to believe that like that's the last sort of interaction that they'll have as he sacrifices himself to lure jean jacket away from her to spare her life but then it turns out he lives too so presumably that kind of like solidifies their bond that was previously strained. So I think that definitely added to the optimism at the end of it. I agree about the bond that like it solidified their bond. And I, I liked that a lot, but like something in like, don't, don't you feel like in their expressions, there was like something like this is she, she thought he was dead and she, she was looking for him. Yeah. And, you know, you hold on that for a long time because you're like, wait, is he dead? Is he alive? So you, you think she's sad and then yeah. she starts to smile and then we yeah. cut to her POV and you see Otis because he's alive. Yeah, but then you see him on the horse and he's like, yes, it's a triumphant moment, but he isn't like, haha, I'm on this horse. But I think that's oh, no, it's though. like that. It's triumphant. He, he doesn't say that, but that's what it yeah. feels like. But look at, no, but his face isn't that. Like he's that's like, like he's like a ways away. I couldn't see. Yeah, I think he's just kind of a deadpan character in general, right? Like in the trailer, yeah. you know, there's that like the, the thing I remember in the trailer is where M is explaining, you know, the two second clip of Black Man on a horse, and OJ is just standing there looking down, and he's like, "Great, right? yeah." He's but don't you think <laughs> that if it was this big triumphant moment for him as a character, if you felt it to be a big triumphant moment, he'd like he'd crack a joke or something and it would be a deadpan joke. It would be, he'd say it that would, deadpan. That would Maybe, kill the final shot. It wouldn't no, surprise but, me if he didn't though. That's the thing. Just with his No, I, I think you guys are wrong. I think that there's, <laughs> there's something about the last little bit there that is not as jubilant as you're making it out to be. I'm sorry that he didn't like wave his cowboy hat. In <laughs> I'm not saying yet. Like, no, I don't think he would do that, but like he'd yeah! like crack a <laughs> smile or something or like, reference something earlier i don't know but like okay. remember remember filmmakers future filmmakers if your character is happy at the end they have to crack a smile that's not that's, what i'm saying that's not what i'm saying them's, them's the rules i'm saying that the <laughs> characters are not like happy about the situation in the end i don't think they are maybe i don't know i don't think that okay. they're happy about what they've gone through i don't think they're satisfied that they had to go through that <sighs> okay I'm sure that, yeah, like, maybe they're not happy they had to do all that, but they set up the plan so that they would do it. Like, they felt... they but felt everything like they was had... forced upon them. But was it? They didn't They didn't have to go... They could have flown to Hawaii and they would have been okay. They didn't have I the mean, money they for probably, that. They probably Where's couldn't the afford money? to Where's fly to Hawaii. But, but, okay, they couldn't afford to fly to Hawaii, but they could have, like, left. I think there was always an option. But that's their, it's their ranch. It's their entire life. Like you shouldn't have to choose between that. It was something that was thrust on them. I suppose. Like, I su okay, fine, I mean? fine. I, I suppose the, uh, the alien was terrorizing their ranch specifically, but 
I don't know. I I watching the movie, I never felt like they were forced to do what they were doing. I felt like they um this was a choice that they wanted to get that Oprah shot because they're still talking about the Oprah shot by the end. Yeah. If it, okay, if it was about like rescuing the ranch, like it would have been like let's go kill the alien, but they're still trying to get the Oprah shot. And I guess it's for the money reasons, but it never for me, I always felt like there's that fame element of it too, not just we need to do this for the money. Like OJ, that makes sense. But M, I feel like, I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, the ending, at least, I felt like was a happier ending. Um, but we don't need to... Well, I feel like we're just going to argue about yeah. it forever. So um, I think I've hit all of the points that are specifically about the movie yeah um yeah let's just cut on that um what did you guys think about this movie compared to peel's other films yeah so my ranking i didn't even have to think about this too much for me it's a get out nope us in that order yeah, yeah exactly for mine too yeah okay well that was boring just kidding um i, I like us a lot but to me it's just not as good uh, I, I think the thing with me is i think i'm just anchoring to get out i feel like i don't think anything will top that just because it was first um Get I think out it's also just has, the tightest movie. Yeah. yeah. Get Out just has this amazing, captivating story to it. And it's just, it's such a unique premise. And there's a lot, there's so much mystery in it. It's like every second you're like, you're just wondering what's going to happen next. Um, us, I feel like, like us, I feel like I just don't remember all that well. Like, you know, sure, there's lots of clones and like, yeah, the, the twist at the end was like cool and all, but it just kind of felt, it, it did feel really rushed. Nope was also, it, it shared that mystery that Get Out had. I just don't think it was as compelling for me. Yeah, I think I think what you said about um, what uh, Get Out is tight, I think that's true. I think why it's better than this one is it's it's just tighter and it's it has a better idea of what it's about. Yeah. And also definitely the idea of, you know, putting part of yourself into the movie definitely was there for Peel, I imagine. Um, nope. I think has the iconic um, visuals that we've kind of touched upon. So it has that going for it. And then just, I didn't really like us when I was watching it. Like I never really got what it was about. I never um, got us either. Like, um, which to me isn't the, my problem was that I felt like it kind of spiraled like to a point where yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, like oh. messy. I was like, what? I don't know. And then when you get to the end, you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <sure. laughs> Yeah. yeah, when they get to the hands across America thing, you're like, yeah. this is what we're doing. This <laughs> is what we're building up to. The beginning was pretty strong. And then just this, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I definitely, just, one thing that will, what stuck with me is just the visuals in the opening where, um, where Adelaide is going into that fun house. Mm, yeah, right, right, that right. was very, very well done. I think that was like, it, oh, it yeah. was definitely really suspenseful. I think everything, and, he always directs well. I think yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to compare it to one other movie that isn't one of his. So have either of you seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I no, unfortunately you told me to not. watch it right after. Yeah, I, I probably did. Um, go watch it. It's a phenomenal movie. Steven Spielberg came out in 1977. Um, so that would have been after Jaws, same year as Star Wars. That's one of my um, like a personal favorite movie. That's just like something I watched as a child. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's kind of like sentimental value there, but um, it's very similar to this movie. Um, and I 
I mean, you can't, it's hard to compete with Steel, uh, Spielberg. So I feel like, I feel like that one still, I, I think that one's better. Um, so that's just like, that's, I guess, kind of getting ahead of myself for recommendations. Like if you like Nope, but we're kind of like wishing for more in a sense, like I think uh, Close Encounters nails it. It's just like, so it's, it's aliens um, are around again, but in they, they're never like a threat in that movie. It's not like aliens scary. Mm-hmm. It's a, aliens are here and that, it drives an obsession that you want to, you want to know. Right. And I just find that so compelling. And they also have some very iconic visuals in that movie. So definitely recommend that. Um, With that, um, that's, that's it for me for Nope. Uh, Anyone else have anything they want to last minute thoughts? No, I think I, I think I exhausted covered everything. Yeah. Okay, so to paraphrase, nope. Yep. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> oh God, the sequel. Um, let's uh, let's Predator versus movies. This thing. Uh, would Predator have improved this movie? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with a nope. If I'm giving like a real answer, go. I'm gonna say no on that one. <laughs> I don't know. Unlike Thor four, I don't know how I'd fit Predator into this one. Thor four, I'd be like, hell yeah, Predator hunting either hunting gore or hunting thor one of the two doesn't matter but this one i guess if the predator was like also hunting jean jacket that would be like a funny wrinkle <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't yeah. know predator uh, is 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 uh employed by the paparazzi and that would yeah. certainly add more threat to the final sequence. That would raise the stakes a little bit. True, true. Sasha? Uh, I'm going to say, at best, Predator would not change anything. Um, mm. Definitely not better. Um, like Aiden said, yeah, sure. If there was a Jean Jacket Predator scene, maybe. Like, if they go head-to-head. But I just think Predator would take away too much from from Jean Jacket and the existing problems and it would be too overwhelming. So I'm going to go with a nope for that one. Yeah. Fair enough. Who would win in a, in a direct conflict? Predator versus Jean Jacket specifically. Who would win in that duel? Uh, I think if Predator's done some research and reconnaissance, <laughs> he's winning. Does, does yeah. Predator get prep time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Predator, Predator heard of the movie Don't Look Up. <laughs> um, I don't know that he needs to know the movie. I don't it's, think it's no Alex is <laughs> yeah. a joke because remember I know it's a bad joke. Switch from... the movie titles. Yeah. My answer is Predator with prep time. Yeah, Predator. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I feel like Predator would just fall into the same trap. He would also look up and then he'd be fucked. So that's what I'm I mean, saying. He d- if he knew ahead of time what to do, he'd be good. Yeah. I mean, we do know that Predator, like, lies in wait and kind of observes for a while and is invisible most of the time. Yeah. So, like, not the craziest idea. I feel like Predator could stand a chance. But doesn't Jean Jacket lie in wait, waiting for somebody to look up? Would this just be a waiting for a Godot scenario where they're just both (laughs) sitting? Jean Jacket's just sitting in the clouds and Predator's just on the ground just reading a book and they're just sitting there waiting for each other and then nothing happens for the entire movie? That's great, yeah. No, none of the other characters. It's just the two aliens waiting for the other one to show up. That's great. 
Okay, that's enough of Predator versus movies. Uh, let's get into recommendations. Um, eeny, meeny, miny, Aiden, you start. Sure. Um, yeah, I haven't been doing too much recently that I didn't talk about before a couple weeks ago. But um, I guess a movie that I briefly caught the end of because my family was watching it that I have seen before and I very much like is The Long Goodbye. I believe it Ooh. came out in the 70s. I think it's yeah. Al- Altman it was- is the director. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really good neo noir slash neon noir. I don't, I don't understand or care about the difference. Those are two different I think things, it's, though. It's neo. Neon sure. is the more recent one, like with Drive. Like, neon. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's neon. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I think if you like noir, um, you like the kind of conventions of that, and you also want to see like a visual style that is very rarely like I don't know of movies that look like this where it's just like why are you zooming here but i like it it's like Mm. constant like it's constantly zooming in and out on something but i really really like it um and it has this uh it's really good it's a good movie i yeah i've seen that one um i think elliot gould was my like as um whatever his name is marlo philip philip i think right something like that it's marlo yeah yeah i think that was a great um character and i think elliot pulls it off I felt like yeah. that one, there was like quite a long stretch where I'm like, what? Like, I, it wasn't what I was yeah. expecting. He didn't, yeah. <laughs> he didn't really try to solve the crime. He just finds some people and talks to them. Yeah, but I liked so, it. I liked that it was yeah. this kind of like rambling, like, and he's just muttering to himself the whole time. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he just has this constant, he, like, no one's really listening to him, but he's always talking about something. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating movie. So I do, yeah. I want to watch that one again. Um, also, like, throughout the movie the long goodbye like there's like yeah. the song version of it is playing in different genres it was really weird yeah um anything else you've uh you've been seeing uh i guess like i mean i uh before this is a little while back now but i was watching um uh the oh fuck what's his name the hong kong director who made like the loose trilogy of uh wong kar wai um right, yeah. his movies um I haven't been able to see 2046 yet, which I think is the third one, but I did see Days of Being Wild and In the Mood for Love, which I thought were both very good, interesting movies. Like, I think that they were both really, um, yeah, I really really like them both. They're um, kind of romances, but they both have a, a lot going on in them, so I don't know if I'd call them exactly romances, but yeah. Cool. Is that... That's all for you for uh, for Rex. That's all I'm gonna yeah, say. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, how about you, Sasha? So I actually haven't watched much. Um, the only thing, like I've the two I mean, things. To be fair, for uh, for you and I, it's been four it's, days. Yeah, it's literally been four days. So it's, it's, podcast, so. Yeah, and <laughs> it's been a busy week, so not much. I mean, the only two things I've watched are, uh, okay. So on Tuesday we were watching Pitch Perfect three, which I don't think i can oh recommend because wow probably um, not <laughs> no it was i mean it was fine like it has like a 28 on rotten tomatoes i think it was better than that but like not by much i think it just felt like they were just trying to milk it out um so there was that and then also the show on amazon prime called the lake that i stumbled across uh What's that? it's basically like so it's this canadian show so it's like this oh yeah bud yeah, it's a oh, sitcom fuck. about, like, all these families at, like, the lake over the summer and, like, oh, yeah. these 
feuds. Okay, that could be funny. Yeah. That's you've Cla- already hooked classic me. Classic Canadian it's... scenario. Though. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's basically discount Shit's Creek. Heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy emphasis on discount. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing is just like really. It's just you can tell it's really pandering and really cringe. Mm-hmm. So it's not great. I mean, it's like it's, it's like, trying too hard to be a Canadian show. I wouldn't even say it's trying to be a Canadian show, but it's just trying to be like it's trying to fit in too much all at once. Um, mm. If you watch it, you, you'll definitely see what I mean. But I, it's de- it's like it's fine, like it's good entertainment, but it's 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 nothing to write home about. It's no shit's creek. Um, so like, yeah, those are like the two things that I've been watching in the last four days, and that's it. Fair enough. I've watched even less. Um, assuming I keep trying to think, like, is there anything else? And I don't think there is. The only thing I watched since the last recording of the last podcast was uh, House of the Dragons. Oh, okay. Or House, right. of, House of the Dragon? I don't know. The new Game of Thrones spinoff. So have either of you seen it? No. No. I have never so seen I'm, Game of Thrones either. Yeah, have I. Really, okay, that's interesting. Um, I'm going to do something unprecedented here in the podcast. I mean, we have two podcasts as precedent, so <laughs> not a lot of precedent to go through. But, um, And I am going to give an anti-rec. Um, I watched the... House of the Dragon prequel with Peter, the other ab- currently absent co-host. And um, if he were here, he would be singing its praise. Um, but alas, he is not here. And I'm just going to take a big shit all over it. I hated it. I did not like it even a little bit, which is an opinion that I've not seen much of online. Um, there was one person who I saw who's like a fairly well-known uh, YouTuber or no, um, tiktok creator for like film stuff and they had similar opinions but it was just it was not good it was not um i didn't find any of the characters to be particularly compelling um to like make me actually want to watch the show um there was um just a lot of misogyny and it's one of those things where like people keep trying to defend it like oh but it's a medieval show it's a fantasy show yeah so. it's not like it takes place in like 1400s england yeah. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's one thing like like you know there are also dragons in the show right like <laughs> come on uh and two like even if that's the case i just feel like they're not trying to make any points sure. like they're just it's misogyny for misogyny's well, sake is it not it's, true i haven't seen game of thrones but in, can, can the same not be said about game of thrones um, I think so, but I also think that like what they've done is they've pulled all of the things that we remember about Game of Thrones and then just slapped it in an episode that has nothing good about it. So you just notice the violence and the sexual violence, right? And it's like, and it feels, there's nothing of substance here, right? Does it feel like they're just doing it because it's like, oh, it's a Game of Thrones show. We have to have like sexual assault stuff. And dragons. Yeah. And that's exactly what it feels like watching yeah. the, the new show. I just, I didn't like it. Um and it's not even like there's so many small things I also didn't like, um, <clears throat> so that's that's my anti rec. I'm, I'm gonna keep watching it. We're probably gonna end up doing a podcast. Sometimes I just do these things. Um, I've been watching uh, Westworld as well. I guess that's the other thing I've been watching. Um, that's another like something just Peter enjoys. So I'm watching it so that we can discuss it. But and we'll probably ultimately do a podcast on both of those shows. But that's just another show that has soured um i liked season one and season two of westworld but the fourth season i don't like very much at all um but that's just me so maybe check it out um but yeah honestly would not recommend that some some 
pretty terrible stuff happens in the pilot of House of the Dragon. And my favorite moment was me going, oh, I know it's going to happen because I can see this a mile away. And as it's happening, I think Peter was literally like covering his mouth in shock. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing that. And I was like, dude, I literally said five minutes ago, that's what's going to happen. Um, anyway, so let's wrap this up. Um, what are we doing next? Uh, I'm going to be out of town for a bit, so we'll probably have to skip one week. Um I don't know what we're going to do when we come back. We might do Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> um, Does it come out like this week? No, it's early September. So I oh, think it'll okay. fit nicely by the time we're back. Sure. Um, Peter wants to do a Westworld episode. So we m- might do that. Uh, Westworld season four. Um, we also had Prey happen. So we might, I don't know if we'll ever get to it because some good stuff will uh, ultimately come in September, but. Uh, and then there's also um, Spider-Man is getting re-released in theater and they're calling it the super awesome cut or oh, something yeah. along those lines with like 11 more minutes of footage. So I almost am tempted to do that just so I can shit on that movie <laughs> in podcast format. And maybe maybe Aiden should tag along. Because I liked cause, it, yeah. Because you liked it and we can have conflicting opinions, which is great. I love I love yeah. when, you know, it's a, it makes for good discussion. Um yeah, so that's kind of like what's on the horizon. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, yeah, that's about it. And yeah, so let's. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, follow us on uh, Instagram at Predator versus Movies Podcast. Uh, also, you can check us out on Twitter at Predator V Movies. Unfortunately, the handles are different. Whoops. Um, sometimes that's how, that's how it goes. Uh, and if you have Letterboxd, follow me on Letterboxd underscore Alex Gordon underscore. Um, I want that clout. I didn't learn anything from this movie. Uh, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Aiden. And I'm Sasha. And that's it. Thanks for uh, for listening. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.